0: It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Teresa and I'm Colleen. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Welcome to Tangential Inspiration Podcast. This is Teresa. We're on episode 140. I am sadly without Colleen for this episode. She is still on the mend, so hopefully she's taking good care of herself and getting better after her surgery. I am going to talk a little bit about Admiral William McGraven, and it's actually going to need to be in two parts because the man is just that amazing. I couldn't fit it in one time. And also, I'm going to chat a little bit about a super cute, life-saving rescue dog and some amazing advances in some medical stuff. a story on instagram about holly a jack russell terrier slash chihuahua mix who lives in the uk with her owner claire churchill in 2019 claire adopted holly as a puppy claire thought it was a little weird how often holly would try to burrow into her shirt when she was little and as holly grew older she would more frequently paw at claire's left breast this went on for some time in august of 2020 it became such a nuisance how focused holly was on Claire's left breast that she went to a doctor to check to see if everything was okay. A lump was found and she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Claire underwent a mastectomy and went through chemo as well as radiation. Claire points out how thankful she is to Holly and emphasizes that Holly was a rescue. She wasn't trained to sniff out breast cancer. Some dogs are being trained to specifically look for cancer, but not all dogs seem to have this ability. My dog certainly didn't, although he was awfully sweet snuggling with me when I didn't feel so good. Research shows that dogs can detect many different types of cancers in humans, including melanomas, colorectal cancer, lung cancer, prostate cancer, ovarian cancer, and breast cancer. Cancers leave odor traces that dogs can detect, but humans can't. This is because dogs have a better sense of smell. For every one smell receptor a human has, a dog has 50. Scientists aren't sure exactly how much better a dog's sense of smell is than humans, but figures range from being 10,000 to 100,000 times better. And of course, different breeds can have even greater smelling power. In addition to dogs being able to sniff out cancer, they can detect other things through the scents we release. They can tell when we're stressed out, tell when a seizure is coming on, and even detect when the owner has low blood sugar. That's why service dogs can be so invaluable to their owners. They can tell when the conditions that cause a seizure or low blood sugar are coming on before their owner can even notice. They can give their owner a warning before the symptoms hit, which then allows the owner to do something preventative. They can seek help or even just ensure they're in a safe place for when the symptoms strike. Dogs can detect volatile organic compounds, often known as VOCs, through our breath, urine, sweat, feces, or even just the smell of our skin. These VOCs are what scientists believe dogs are zeroing in on when detecting cancer. More and more studies are being done on how dogs can be utilized to detect cancers and other health conditions. And just like dogs who sniff out drugs or bombs, they can be trained to communicate with their trainers when they discover something. This could be useful in detecting cancers and other health conditions in a non-invasive way that could lead to more early detection, which is the key to survival with many conditions. In 2021, researchers from the National Institute of Health, part of the U.S. Department of Health, found that one dog who was trained to detect signs of breast cancer in urine was able to detect breast cancer with 100% accuracy. 200 people, most with known cancers, were involved in the study, and a dog detected all 40 cases of breast cancer. The dog also correctly identified that out of the 200 people, 182 of them had some form of cancer and also correctly eliminated the 18 who did not have cancer. This is something that's still being explored by doctors and scientists, but I think it's simply amazing what our furry little buddies can do for us. I just think dogs are so awesome. Years ago, I bought the book Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your Life and Maybe the World by Admiral William McRaven. I checked it out from the library and loved it so much that I wanted a copy for my kids to read and use as a reference. That failed. But it didn't stop me from buying his next book, The Hero Code, Lessons Learned from Lives Well-Lived, hoping that might inspire them. That still wasn't successful. I recently listened to his book, Sea Stories, My Life in Special Operations, and I think it might finally be the book that will spark some interest in my kids. And if not, I'm excited enough for all three of them combined. I'm a complete and total wimp and don't do well with violent movies or sad stories. So no Schindler's List for me, no matter how well it was done or how heroic Mr. Schindler was, my heart just can't take it. I've been slowly trying to branch out a bit since I know there are some amazing stories being told out on the big screen. After Admiral McRaven's book, I now have Black Hawk Down and Captain Phillips on my to-see list. He discusses both of those movies in his latest book, and I really had no knowledge of the stories or that they were even based on true stories for that matter. There's no way I can even begin to express how much I admire this man, and I know I'm not alone. Since his graduation speech back on May 17, 2014, I recently looked at it and it had over 18 million views. That in itself gives me hope that so many people would watch his commencement speech for the University of Texas reminds me that there are still so many people out there who want to try to make the world a better place. The slogan at the university was, What Starts Here Changes the World, and Admiral McRaven incorporated that into his speech, followed with his book. I trust the wisdom he shares because this man has earned some serious respect. With 37 years in the military and a Navy SEAL at that, this man is a true hero, humble and compassionate on top of it. With everything he's accomplished, it would be easy to understand if he was a little arrogant, but... With his books, he proves quite the opposite. His stories aren't told to stroke his ego, but instead highlight the men and women in his circles. I think that's the sign of a good leader, someone who surrounds themselves with the best people and builds them up, believes in them, and makes sure that they know it. Admiral McGraven has witnessed the worst in humankind, yet remains optimistic. Just one of the many, many reasons I admire this man. That, and he talked about It's a Wonderful Life, a movie I chatted about back in episode 61, one of my favorite all-time favorite movies, let alone Christmas. He talked about it in his Sea Stories, which I think I'll have to discuss next week, since there's no way I'll be able to discuss all of that in just one episode. So I'll start with the speech that first introduced Admiral McRaven to 18 million of us back in Austin with his words of wisdom for that graduating class. First off... Start off by making your bed. Most of us won't see the SEAL training barracks in Coronado, California. The beds have a steel frame, two sheets, and a gray blanket. In the morning, if your bed wasn't made properly, you'd be sent out on a 10-mile run. That's pretty good incentive to get your bed made to pass inspection. He pointed out years later that when they caught Saddam Hussein, he was intrigued to notice that he had never made his bed. Admiral McRaven pointed out it was that kind of laziness that can lead to the downfall of a dictator. I think his point was the importance of setting your start to the day, starting off with an accomplishment from which to build from. It's something so simple that can make such a powerful impact. If you make your bed in the morning, you'll have accomplished your first task of the day, giving you a sense of pride and accomplishment, which will then likely lead to another task and another and will reinforce that the little things in life matter. We can't accomplish big things in life without first succeeding in the small stuff. He made the audience laugh in his speech when he noticed that even if it doesn't make you have a great day, at least you'll have a bed made to climb into, which always feels good. Second, find someone to paddle with. He speaks so much about his wife. In fact, when he retired from the Navy, he pointed out that it was all possible because of Georgian. I love that he gave her kudos when it was his moment to shine. But with his speech, he was referencing his SEAL comrades. He said they would row in teams of seven. If you got on a boat with someone who was tired, you wouldn't go as fast, and so your team would end up doing 500 push-ups when you got to shore. Still, was teamwork. One time, his oar broke, and when they returned to the shore, the instructor yelled at them to get back out there and find it. Obviously, they weren't going to find a broken oar, but they got out there and suffered together. Those boats needed everyone to paddle in order to be successful, and he compared that to life. We need help to change the world, support from our friends, family, colleagues, even strangers, to make a difference. So if we want to change the world, we need to find people who are willing to help us do it. Number three, measure a person by the size of their heart. I love this so much. While he was referencing his experience with the SEALs, I find this so much in civilian life as well. It's not so much your size, how much money you have, or your place in society. It all comes down to your heart. For his SEAL class, they started with 150 people, and within a few weeks, they were down to 42 they had one boat they called the Munchkin Crew because none of the men were over five foot five inches. The crew included one American Indian, one African American, one Polish American, one Greek American, one Italian American, and two kids from the Midwest. They all out paddled, outran, and out swam the other crews. McRaven pointed out that SEAL training was a great equalizer. Your heart was the only thing that mattered, not your skin color, ethnic background, education, or social status. True for SEALs and true for life. Number four, get over being a sugar cookie and keep moving forward. There is no question that I wouldn't even make it to hell week with SEAL training. The reasons are too long to list, but being sugar cookie would most certainly be on that list. Several times a week, the men would line up for uniform inspection, and no matter how much they prepared or how perfect it looked, the instructors would always find something wrong. When they failed inspection, they were always guaranteed to fail, they would be sent to run into the surf, getting wet from head to toe, and then run onto the beach, rolling around until they were covered in sand, hence the name sugar cookie. Then you would stay in your uniform the rest of the day, cold, wet, and sandy. It was a reminder that life isn't fair. The guys who accepted that would become SEALs. The ones who couldn't didn't make it. Stuff happens, and you need to keep moving forward. Number five, don't be afraid of the circuses. They had all sorts of training challenges, including long runs, swims, obstacle courses, and they had designated times you had to meet. If you didn't meet the standards, you'd be invited to the circus, literally invited. Your name would be put on a list at the end of the day for people to see who was invited for the additional two-hour calisthenics to wear you down, break your spirit, and push you to quit. McRaven noted that the guys who kept getting invited got tougher and stronger over time. The pain of the circus actually built inner strength and physical resiliency. We all have failures, but must use them To help us get stronger if we want to change the world. Number six. If you want to change the world. Sometimes you have to slide down the obstacle head first. At least twice a week. They were required to run the obstacle course. With 25 obstacles. Including a 10 foot high wall. 30 foot cargo net. And barbed wire to crawl under. The most challenging obstacle was the slide for life. It had a three level 30 foot tower at one end. And one level tower on the other side. In between was a 200-foot-long rope. They had to climb to the tower. Once to the top, they grabbed the rope, would swing underneath, and pull yourself hand over hand to the other side. The record for the course hadn't been broken in years. That was until 1977, when one of his classmates bravely mounted the top of the rope and slid down it. it. took him half the time to get to the other side, and he had broken the record. Sometimes you have to take crazy risks and think outside the box if you want to change the world. Number seven, don't back down from the sharks. I love sharks, but that doesn't mean I want to swim in shark-infested water in the dark for 15 miles. That was one of their exercises one night, and it's no surprise they lost recruits that evening, not to the sharks, but to the fear of sharks. And I don't blame them in the slightest, but at the same time, if you can accomplish that, I sincerely don't think anything can hold you back. Before their swim, the instructors briefed them on the species of sharks that inhabited the waters. They were instructed to not swim away if they found a shark circling their position. If the shark did in fact charge, they were supposed to punch him in the snout. While most of us won't have to worry about those types of sharks, McRaven reminded us that the world is full of sharks and we can't run away. We must deal with them if we want to change the world. Number eight, be your very best in the darkest moments. At night, it's hard to see what you're doing, so it's vital to do the very best you can. McGraven said that at times, the SEALs dive under ships at night, and it's completely dark directly under the ship. They must remain calm in order to complete the mission. It's the same in life. When we have challenges, it's even more important to be the best we can be, doing your very best to help you get to the other side, and stronger because of it. Number nine, start singing when you're up to your neck in mud. On the Wednesday of Hell Week, the men would paddle down to the mudflats between San Diego and Tijuana. I guess the water runs off and creates a stinky, swampy patch of mud that will engulf you. They were totally engulfed up to their, could only see their heads through the mud. It was freezing cold and the instructors would tell them that they could get a shower if just five men would quit. Fifteen hours like this. He said pretty soon he heard someone singing albeit terribly out of tune and slowly others joined in until everyone was singing. The instructors threatened them with more time in the mud if they kept singing but they didn't stop. They kept their spirits up and made the mud seem a little warmer, the wind not as bad and the dawn a little closer. Sometimes in life there isn't a whole lot we can do but just get through it, just like in that mud. Do what you can however small wherever you are to keep you going. Number 10, don't ring the bell. In Navy SEAL training, there was a bell to ring when they wanted to give up. Like I said, I wouldn't have even made it to the bell part. But if they rang the bell, they could get a shower, they could warm up, they could watch TV, they could get real food. All the stuff we take for granted on the daily. Instructors would say they could stop some drill if a certain number of people stopped and rang the bell. Talk about being torn. You would want to end the exercise for sure, but they also wanted to support their teammates. When you rang the bell, it meant you were not a SEAL. You were done with training. And I think a lot of people rang the bell in his class since I I believe there ended up being 33 SEALs in his graduating class. I like that he finished with this one. All the others lead up to this, to never give up, never back down, even in failure. Let failure teach us a lesson and keep moving forward. If we want to change the world, we can't give up. I'll talk more about Admiral McGraven next week as i seriously just touching the surface. I think everyone needs to go watch his commencement speech on YouTube. The guy is smart, funny, brave, honest, and an amazing leader. There aren't enough adjectives for me to use to describe him, but next week, I'll give it a try. I'm going to also try to watch Captain Phillips in the meantime to see if the stories line up. I really hope they make a movie about his sea stories, not just because I'm a huge fangirl, but I think our men and women in uniform deserve the recognition. I'm so grateful they sacrificed so much for my freedoms. If I have learned anything in the time traveling the world, it is the power of hope, the power of one person, Washington, Lincoln, King. Mandela, and even a young girl from Pakistan, Malala, one person can change the world by giving people hope, Admiral William McGraven. So I'm on a bit of a medical roll with my shorts this episode, maybe because I'm missing Colleen and I know she's on the mend, and while gene therapy is not cute or as cuddly as dogs that can detect cancer, this story is pretty dang heartwarming. Fourteen-year-old Antonio Carvajal has been legally blind for most of his young life. He was born with dystrophic epidermolysis bullosa, which is a rare genetic condition that causes blisters all over his body, even in his eyes. Gene therapy had already made a huge difference in his life when he participated in the clinical trial of topical cream that was developed using gene therapy. His doctor, Alfonso Sabater, was so pleased with how well the gene therapy worked on removing blisters from his skin that he began to wonder if gene therapy could also fix Antonio's eyes. Antonio's condition is caused by mutations in the gene that helps produce the protein collagen, which holds together not only skin, but the cornea of the eye. sounds gross, but they all use an inactivated herpes simplex virus to deliver copies of the unmutated gene to Antonio's body. The herpes virus, which will not cause herpes because it's deactivated, can deliver the gene and help correct Antonio's cells. This, in turn helps the body heal itself. However, since this gene therapy doesn't actually correct the DNA mutation, it's necessary to continue treatment on an ongoing basis. Antonio, who's from Cuba, has lived in the United States since 2012 under a special visa for medical treatment. He's already had surgeries to remove the scarring on his eyes caused by the blisters. However, that was only a short-term solution, as more blisters caused more scarring. Antonio's vision kept getting worse to the point where he didn't feel safe walking around anymore. At the time of the surgeries, Dr. Sabater didn't have any answers, but he promised not to give up on finding a solution. Each time Dr. Sabater saw Antonio, Dr. Sabater would assure Antonio he was working on the problem. Antonio would always respond, yeah, I know you're going to do it. It was this hope that kept Antonio going. After Antonio got into a clinical trial for gene therapy to treat his skin condition which is shared by only about 3,000 people worldwide, Dr. Sabater thought, what if this could be reformulated for his eyes? Dr. Sabater reached out to the Pittsburgh-based Crystal Biotech Company, the maker of the gene therapy skin cream, to see if it would be possible to do a similar treatment for Antonio's eyes. The co-founder of Crystal Biotech, Suma Krishnan, figured it wouldn't hurt to try. Dr. Sabater and Crystal Biotech spent two years testing the drug on mice before getting a compassionate use approval from the U.S. FDA and hospital review boards. The idea was that if they did nothing, Antonio would go completely blind. If they tried the gene therapy, Antonio had a chance to regain his sight. Antonio had surgery on his right eye to remove scar tissue and then used the gene therapy in the form of eye drops to treat the eye following the surgery. They were optimistically cautious. The gamble paid off because the scarring didn't return, and each month there was a significant improvement in his eye. And while his vision is not perfect with 20 20, they got it to a 25 20, which is probably better than my vision now. Now he has had his left eye done, and it's still in the healing process with the sight continuing to improve. He still has to do weekly eye exams and continues to use the gene therapy gel. And while his skin is healing, The process takes time, and his skin is still fragile enough that Antonio wears protective clothing. There's hope that this gene therapy technique could be used to treat other skin and eye conditions and potentially other diseases. Dr. Amy Payne, a dermatology professor at the University of Pennsylvania, says that this approach, quote, delivers gene therapy that really addresses the root cause of the disease. Antonio now has his vision mostly restored, and it continues to improve. He's no longer afraid to move around and enjoys living his life like a tippled teen, playing video games with his friends. Antonio's mom credits Dr. Sabater. She tears up when she talks about him. He's been there through everything. He's not only a good doctor, but such a good human being, and provided us with hope. He never gave up. While I don't fully understand the medical side of this type of treatment the idea that we can use gene therapy like this to cure diseases or heal the body is absolutely amazing to me there are so many people out there that suffer from horrible conditions especially kids maybe the end of so many child diseases is not that far off we can definitely cross our fingers Know that life is not fair and that you will fail often, but if you take some risks, step up when the times are toughest, face down the bullies, lift up the downtrodden, and never, ever give up. If you do these things, and the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. Admiral William McRaven we want to hear from you. Please email us your thoughts, story ideas, or just say hi at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Tell us about someone inspiring in your life and like, or subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out and helps others find us. You can find more information about us at our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Follow us on Instagram at tangentialinspirationpodcast or find us on Facebook. Have a great week.